Do you have a cold open other than this week sucked? This shirt. What is it? I'm trying to read it upside down. Hold on. Oh, I guess we're we're PG thirteen. I'll say it. Um it says extra large condom for guys <laughs> with big heads. <laughs> Why do you have that as a shirt? Because I found it while cleaning the, the new house. Is it, wait, it. is it yours? Well, now. Oh, so you just found it in the house and you're like, I'm going to wear this. Yeah. What? I washed it. Okay. <laughs> um, I washed it on hot three times. And then I dried it on, you know, extra hot. Um, that would be a so- hard no for Lauren. She'd be like, this is in the <laughs> trash immediately. <laughs> I think it's fun. So it's got some holes up here. Um, but I thought it was good for doing work around the house because it's like a tribute almost to to everything that needs done. But yeah, it's kind of fun. I mean, it's funny. I, I will say, but like, <laughs> Lord knows what that shirt's been through. <laughs> there was three. There's three. So this is one. The other two. Uh, one is like a retro. It's got um, all of the bars of iowa city on the back so that's kind of cool and then there's another one it was i think levi's uh but they're i I, okay so they were in the trunk and my guess that trunk had been there for 20 years uh because they're all different sizes so as this guy i'm guessing as this guy gained weight and lost weight and that sort of thing because we've got mediums and and there's a large and there's extra large so some maybe they were from his victims We did, we did find, so it's creepy, but we did find a knife in the same trunk too. So it's it bloody? sounding worse. Uh, <laughs> not, like not it was bloody. rusty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it's, it's interesting. Yeah. Well, well, uh, I did not know that this, that's where the cold open was going to go. I was just going to start off by saying how this week has just been awful. Yeah. It's been pretty bad. Pretty um, not good. Yeah, not from like um, not from like a like like bad things have happened. It's just kind of like we've just been hitting like a lot of curveballs, and it's like uh, now we got to deal with this. Like especially with hiring, um, we we were hiring for one position, we filled that uh with the new minion Angie, and then um we were like, hey, we need to hire again because um, unfortunately, I don't think we've said on the podcast, but unfortunately, Lisa is leaving us at the end of November, so. Um, we have to, we had to replace her. So now we have the new minion starting on Monday. Yep. And, uh, we've, uh, really appreciate everybody reaching out to us and applying. I know there's some listeners now who applied and we reached out and we're like, uh, it's just not the right time, but we are looking at you. <laughs> so, um, um, it's, it's just been a lot with like onboarding new, uh, new team members at the same time, like for some reason, we're also getting like a huge uptick in lead flow for Evergrow where October is usually like one of our slump months in terms of leads. But we in January is like our biggest lead month of, of the year as, as landscapers start to realize that spring is approaching and they need to, you know, contact the marketing company. And uh, this October exceeded the inquiries that we got from January of this year. So it's, it's looking like it's going to get real busy. I mean, we're still only we're still getting like four clients at a time for onboarding, but the, you know the sales process is still taking those calls and queuing them up and still selling them. So that's just a lot, 
on my end. I didn't expect to, this fall to kind of pop off like that. Yeah. I mean, say it's not a good time. It, it's not it's okay. It's not a bad time. It's not a fun time. That's <laughs> the way to say it. Uh, I, probably some listeners are like, I, I don't get any organic leads. Screw you guys. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Suffering is a gas that fills the room, right? So everybody's whatever they're dealing with, whatever they're complaining <laughs> oh, about. It is random, like poetic lines that you come up with. Like, that's what, not what mine. Is, I've never heard that. You never heard that? Suffering is, is a gas that fills the room. So whatever, whatever space you give it um, is the space that it takes up. That's Victor Frankl, Man's Search for Meaning. Um, yeah, so uh, people, there's. I feel like a few years ago that book kind of popped off and everybody was reading it. Um, the first half is, I think it's the first half is his experience um, in the concentration camps. Um, and then the second half is kind of his, his take and views on, uh, yeah, the, Your the ability, title, right? I, I always envy people's ability to like produce literary references because if, once I read a book, 99% of that information I read, I can't recall. <laughs> well, I can just, tell you what the book is about, but I like like quotes and things like that. I nope out the window. It's one that I use it a lot just because it it's it's relevant for so many things. I don't know when people because you can't if you try to compare the things that people the suffering sounds dramatic, you know, but just say their problems, the things that people are dealing with, and then people get into you know bragging contests of oh my life is so much harder and whatever. It doesn't matter. Like everybody's going through their things and they're all taking up the same amount of space. And, you know, like objectively, some things are certainly worse than other things, but it doesn't change how that individual person is feeling about dealing with their stuff. Um, even if it does look comparatively small or unimportant uh, to them, it's big. So um, I like it. I think about it a lot. Um, one, because I'm a stoic, but two, because I, I think it's productive and helpful to know that, um, some people's their problems that they think are big, even though you think that they're small, either because you've gone through them or you know, whatever. Um, you can, when you're talking to them, have a little bit of empathy. Yeah, but I think you wanted to talk about some of our listeners' problems. <laughs> <laughs> wow, good. I thought you were just gonna like like not have a good segue. That was a pretty good segue. Yeah, so one of our listeners, uh, actually, if you look at the Spotify episodes, you actually see him comment quite a bit. But Andrew, he reached out to me beginning of October. And I, I told him, like, this is a great question. I'm going to have a podcast episode on it. And then like a month later, I finally decided to do it. Only because we had things queued up. <clears throat> so uh, basically, Andrew had reached out and asked me what my take on high level was. So uh, for all the novices out there, they usually refer to it as go high level or GHL. But it's a personal pet peeve of mine because the software is actually called High Level. The Go was just part of the domain because High Level was already taken. So I'll just refer to it however I'm feeling in the moment. But there's a lot of industry gurus out there and a lot of new marketing agency owners using High Level. Like it's kind of popped off the last couple of years. And even in like the SMMA groups and the digital agency groups, there's always someone that's like, I have GHL experience with AI automation, all this, like, I'll help you get clients and automate lead flow, blah, blah, blah. And I just, I can read through the fact that they don't know what they're doing. Um, 
I'm looking at the website for the first time. I've never looked at this. Before. Yeah. So, well, Andrew had noticed that we don't use high level. Uh, we use HubSpot for our CRM. And he's also heard that we mentioned that quite a bit on the podcast. So the biggest reason that he was reaching out to me is because obviously high level co- it has a cost. I think it's like, what is it? Like $1.99 a month or something? It looks like there was 100 bucks a month and then 300 a month, depending on which one you're getting. Yeah. So there's a lot of features like packed into it. It's almost like the click of, CR- of CRMs. And... A lot, from what I understand, a lot of agencies use it to like help automate lead flow for their clients. So, like, they might run a lead ad on Facebook and it has a native integration to take that lead ad and basically funnel it into the high level CRM and then can create automatic follow ups within high level to then help, help that client close that lead. But it also allows you to have like a white label CRM as well. So, you can basically provide like, you can have like an, like, in Google Ads terms, you can have like an MCC CRM for like your agency and then like individual CRMs for your clients. And you can white label it so it looks like it's your agency's CRM. And this is one of the reasons why I actually hate high level. It's because I don't hate high level, the company or the platform. What I hate are the people who use it and who sell it in a way when they they say things like, our agency built this software or like we were we built this entire CRM and uh, we want to test people out on it. And like they use that phrase to get clients on it. And then they build this whole like lead flow pipeline for them using that software that they're white labeling and not then actually build it. And it just drives me absolutely insane. And I call these people out in groups all the time. When they say this, because it's it's like a script. I don't know what guru they're picking it up from, but it's absolutely annoying. Um, additionally, high level is almost similar to like HubSpot. Where like HubSpot has its own CMS where you can build a website in it and uh, connect it to a domain. High level, you can do the same thing. And so, re- oh, so like landing yeah. pages or like the whole yeah, like the whole funnel like, sort of thing? yeah, and even like kind of white label ah, okay. CRM portion of it too. Um, it gotcha. has built-in yeah. call tracking too. So I think you pay that as an additional service. It's so like CallRail. Um, nice. Yeah. So it's got a lot of really cool features built into it. I just can't stand how people are selling it and pitching it. Additionally, it's a, it's a, it's a service or software that's designed to basically lock in clients. So if they were to leave you and you had the CRM for them and the CMS for them as well, like, They've got to start over if they're going somewhere else. And I don't agree with that business model. I get that it makes sense and it works for some people. Um, but uh, anyway, that was like a whole rant on, on this. Well, yes, I, I did. See. Well, it, it's again, it's not it's it's like Gary V. Like, I don't hate Gary V. I just don't like people who follow him and like like religiously. Well, like I said, I'm looking at this website for the first time. Usually when these things happen, like SEMrush, right? SEMrush. We've talked about this. Is what you, how SEMrush. do you say it? Yeah, Is I it said SEMrush? I said okay. SEMrush you know, for like the longest time, like 2015 to 2018, 2019. That's what I thought. Yeah. I assume people still use it. Yeah, they do. Right? I maybe not. Um, they popped off because they had a really good affiliate program. They're paying like sixty percent, and not just on one-time sales, but I think it was rebills mm-hmm. too. Um, that's insane. That's great. Um, so when these companies usually software companies because they don't have costs um, come out with these really good affiliate programs, then they pop off. So 
uh, whenever something like this happens, that's always my immediate go-to um, is, okay, what's their affiliate program <laughs> right, right, like right now? Because I imagine it's very good. Did you look um, at it? And that's, uh, I wasn't able to see actual pricing. Oh, it, but uh, I did see they, they've paid out $38 million to affiliates yeah, or something. Yeah, it's huge. Hey, so, yeah, that, that's one of the reasons why I'm people sure like really well. get into it. Like they're like, anytime someone's like, goes into like one of those agency groups and like, what's a good CRM? I'm like, I'm usually the first person to comment and say, this isn't a good group to ask that because literally everyone's going to see a high level and then send you their affiliate link. Do they actually, well, no, I know that they don't actually make money from that. Not really. Nobody's making good money doing things that way. Um, but yeah, I, I think people have all sorts of business models, right? And We've we talked. I'm looking at this high level versus, and they've got all these other people that they're, I guess, are, are all. I don't know if they're competitors, but alternatives. Mm-hmm. Um, like we've talked to Sharp Spring. I interviewed once a long time ago at a HubSpot agency where that I was just going to say that. Yeah, there are agencies um, that like literally like what they do is implement HubSpot for other people, and like their entire model is around being. I can't remember what it's called. It's like their diamond agency partner or something like that. Um, mm-hmm. I feel like I sent this over to Andrew, but I can't remember. But yeah. Yeah. Those are all, I mean, it doesn't pick how you want to do it. It doesn't matter really. Um, as it, you're the determiner of your future. So pick whatever it is that you want to do and, you know, work out the details and yeah, I think, but I don't think, you were telling me some other stuff about this, so I'm, I'm gonna shut up for a little while and let you keep going because there was some stuff that made me spicy when I was talking. Like nothing that you've said so far. No, no, no. Before oh. we started recording, and you just mentioned this topic before. Well, I haven't actually gotten to the topic of the podcast yet, and this this whole conversation with with Andrew on like what my opinion was on high level, which I didn't really give him one. So like, you're the audience right now is getting a lot more of an opinion from me than I actually gave. And I still don't on the functionality of high level because I have never actually used it. Uh, but what I ended up telling Andrew was that uh, here, I'll just read it. And this is really what the uh, the episode is about. I said, I think the trap people fall into is building their agency around a tool because they were sold on features before they defined what they offered. It makes you a slave to it and doesn't separate you. If high level helps you deliver a service better than uh, then you are that you already deliver, then great. If you're getting it because of the features before you've defined your services or your own processes, then I'd say find a free solution first. It's the difference between what you need versus what you want. And uh, like the, you should never buy a product because um, it has a service that you want to deliver because it that product sold you on that service. You should already know what you want to sell. And if if you are wondering this, like if you look at high level and you go, oh yes, this would be really cool to offer my clients as as your core service, my advice would be to not buy high level or whatever software you're looking at and do that service without that tool first. I think that there's that you're accepting one of two things here. You if you decide that you're going so for example the agency I applied for that they said were a HubSpot agency. Um, benefits are, yeah, they've got they they've got the whole network thing of like referrals and you know there's this agency that works with HubSpot and then um, you can work with them because they know about this particular niche. So there's this in network where you receive 
business. Um, so I'm told anyway, and that's a benefit, right? Especially if you struggle to get leads, um, or new business, then maybe, maybe that's not the worst thing. Um, if, if you want to explore that option, the flip side is like Jake said, okay, now what? Something happens, you're under, right? When you build anytime, man, I wish I, I used to like Paul Jarvis a lot. He kind of disappeared and he took down his site, but he had this one article about building, uh, building stuff in other people's playgrounds. Hmm. And when you build a business in somebody else's playground and then they decide to take the playground down, there goes your business, right? And it's you not can even that like you it, can, it's not just that too. It's just like when a newer, bigger, better playground across the street shows up, like now what? <laughs> you like are, are you and everybody start all the new agency owners start flocking to that one. Are you gonna continue with your model or do a whole business revamp to move people over to the new the new one? Yeah, look, I think as far as actual go high level or high level, sorry. See, I'm doing it now. I'm <laughs> saying the go. Um, as far as high level itself, I'm sure that there's nice people there and they've got a good thing going on. And I, I have no reason to think otherwise. Uh, but it, yeah, I don't know it, what. Yeah. I'm like, I, don't, I have nothing constructive really to say <laughs> about um, what, like the feedback that we can give about this is extremely limited because we don't know the full details. Um, unless you, you know more about Andrew's situation than, uh, I do, or there's other people in similar situations too. I honestly don't even know what service he wants to offer. He just, I know he had, there were features in there that he liked that he could. And my encourage, my words of encouragement were to, um, offer those services for free. Everything that everything in there he can do for, everything in high level you can do for free, like, except for maybe call tracking where you have to like maybe like subscribe to call rail or something um, or like a build a website, which again is you can really just pass that bill off to your client. Everything else is free. I mean, you can find a free CRM, you can find uh, free reporting, whether it's just like native uh, you can track your own lead lead flow and do your own follow-ups. And if you, I don't think if you can't, if you can't even do that, just organically or naturally without a tool, I don't think you should have the tool to do it because tools aren't meant to sell services. They're meant to scale services. And if you don't even have one client, then why are you looking at? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Hold on. on. (laughs) I got it. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Let me tell you. I want to say one thing before I forget. I'm hesitant to try high level because their home page URL says forward slash main page. And it doesn't even (laughs) like, like they don't even have a CMS homepage established, which um, they're just I'm constantly like, split testing. Yeah. And I'm like, this is like, it's like, I don't know. It's like basics, basic web development 101. And I don't know how What's robust. I don't oh, know. oh, geez. They got a lot going on here. They have a lot Wait, they've got, huh? Okay. These subdomains, it looks like quite a bit. <sighs> okay. No, you said something. Hold on. Are you saying this? I'm like, oh, come on, Cody. I was about to get really <laughs> spicy there. Bring it back for a second. Um, does Andrew, does he have clients? Um, you, I don't. You said defining I, the business. Yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to say anything wrong, but I know when he messaged me in October, he didn't have a niche. Okay, but but he was looking. He was he was looking at a niche, a particular one. So I want to assume he either has none and is just starting, or has a couple that aren't like in the same niche. 
Do you think, Jake, you decide today, should I be the negative motivator or the, the nice guy who says things kindly? Um, because I can do it either way. I can come in and be angry about this and then be a like, you know, mm. bash it. And then some people find like the negative reinforcement, uh, or, you know, they, I, I think, uh, um, yeah, I don't know, man. I, I just, I kind of want to hear you be negative. It's spicier, but maybe not. I mean, Andrew's a nice guy. Don't be negative towards him. Uh, I'm gonna put. Okay. <laughs> you're like questioning. <laughs> well, you said both. You said no, one, no, 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 you no. Said dollar, So, uh, and Andrew asked me though. He's he didn't do it and just be and was and was like, yeah, this is a good idea. He was wanted my opinion and I gave it to him and yeah, he yeah, took, yeah. and he took it. He he did the, he took the smart route. Yeah. Look, I don't mean any of this maliciously. I'm let me do it both ways. I'm gonna All start right. by saying. It's like a it's like a R.L. Stein pick your own ending <laughs> book. Okay. Um okay, I wrote this down. I'm gonna write it or I'm gonna read it word for word. Why are you guys spending money on software to manage clients you don't have? It's very hard to take that seriously. And I don't mean it to be mean for the sake of being mean. I just we get so many inquiries, so many from extremely smart bright, talented people asking questions that I already know what kind of category of person they fall into. And it's they make great employees. And I'm not going to say that they can't be entrepreneurs if they want to. But if they're going to go and make that jump, they need to get stupid. And what I mean by that is they need to stop thinking about a lot of these things and then just go do the stuff. If you don't have any clients, if you have three clients, I don't care at all. And you shouldn't care at all what your your CRM is. Do you have your I mean, unless your your service that you're offering is dependent on on that because it's baked in together. But if it's just something to internally manage how you're doing stuff with clients or whatever, use a, a spreadsheet, take a notepad. I don't know. I don't care. Like that's this is not it's very hard to take this as serious, serious business when you need to start doing business before you start asking these sorts of questions. I think that's the, the biggest thing that we get with inquiries is that the timing is completely out of whack. People are asking questions that just don't apply to them yet. And I don't know how you solve that other than to tell them, look, this doesn't apply to you yet. You're not actually in this, this field, this world of, you know, where this is applicable. Um, but that's I, more than anything. I think that that's the, uh, that's what we see more than, than anything else when we get inquiries here is that um, people are worried about things that don't matter because they're not applicable to them or they're, they ha they're doing everything that they can to avoid doing the actual thing that matters, which is just going and getting a client or, you know, getting more clients to create those things as real problems. Because if, if you know, if you have clients, your CRM is not it's not a problem. It's not even involved. I Do don't you even know, know what CRM stands for? <laughs> Customer what? relationship management software. <laughs> like you can't manage relationships if you don't have one. <laughs> I, I, okay. I, well, let me, let me ask you a question then. Why, why do you think people get so wrapped up in software and so wrapped up in these things before they even have the clients to justify it? I think so we're we're already in this this world where we market to marketers, which is a hard thing. 
uh, and a lot of people struggle with it. Um, I think that it's ironic, but uh, people who are in agencies or want to run agencies are are it's funny, but they're the best worst consumers. They just they eat this stuff up. Uh, okay, same like, question again. I want to make sure I, I say <laughs> this correctly. Why do you think uh, people like agency like new agency owners get so wrapped up and so consumed in a specific software or a product before they even have clients? I think there's two kinds of people. One is uh, one they're not there yet. They're not mentally there yet. They're still acting as consumers and not business owners. They just see these things as cool and exciting and flashy. So they want to play with them. Um, and, and they're not actually serious yet about doing business. And that's okay. I'm not trying to be mean just for the sake of being mean when I say things like that. Um, I think sometimes you need to build yourself up. We've talked about this before. Sometimes you got to get built up more to get to a position where you can do that sort of thing. Um, some people just flashy objects. I don't know. I'm not one of them, but uh, some people just, you know, they see shiny things and then they go after them and it doesn't matter how much success they have in business. They always do it. Uh, I think, I think the, uh, my, my, I've thought about this a little bit, but I think what it is, I think, I feel like I'm really good at putting myself in other people's shoes, but I, I think the main reason why people get wrapped up in a lot of this software is because they feel like it legitimizes their efforts, even if, whether they've had or not had success. So if I, if I didn't have any clients and I could log into a really nice looking Kanban platform, like high level, um, every day and work on pipelines that I can sell. I think I would feel better about not actually having a client I or think, having one. Uh, I think in general, these tools are used because people don't know what they're doing without the tools. And I think it's better to learn first uh, how to do it so that you have solutions to problems that you understand instead of having other people tell you and teach you what your problem is that you haven't experienced yet. Right. That's so. Yeah. CRM. Right. Uh, if you don't need to manage relationships because you don't have any, sounds like you don't have a problem yet. So go <laughs> get a problem. <laughs> yeah, that's a good way to put it. Like tools solve problems, and if you don't, and and if you don't have a problem because you don't have any clients, the only thing you need is clients. But we're walking into a trap here because what I don't want people to think is that tools help get clients because they don't. Um, unless it's like, unless your primary method is like mass cold outreach. If like, if we don't do that. So like, I can't really consult on that. But I know there are like, like LinkedIn sales navigator. Like that's a tool, for instance, that can yeah. in theory help people get clients. Um, my personal business philosophy is I'd rather do the legwork of individually reaching out to people until I get one client that can pay for the tool. That could help me do this faster. But even then, what are you going to do if you get a ton of clients and you can't manage them because you haven't gotten the additional software to help you execute the work that you need to do in scale and um, or also just manage your processes so other people can do the work? And I think people try to jump the gun too much and they try to get a tool that is like two levels above them. Yeah. Okay. I was going to say, look, maybe... I might just be thinking from one perspective and, and and have not thought about it in other ways. But what I think is you learn how to do something. And through doing that, the manual and the hard way, you figure out the best way to do it. And you can do it better than anybody else. When you start using tools for it, it's with an understanding that 
there's going to be compromises and it's not going to be quite as good as doing it manually. Now, that's from the the, the expert approach. I know some people, um, I don't know how they stay in business, but I know some people who know zero um, go the tool route because the tool knows more than what they would do otherwise. I don't know how that works. I really don't. I don't know how, um, if you're being paid to be an expert in any way, and that's the route you choose to go. I don't know how you continue to stay in business. But um, so I, I think you cross that one out and then you go the other route, which is, okay, the tools should make things easier and improve uh, my life. And, and you know, whatever, it, if it's doing it manually, takes too much time. We're using tools because uh, it's quicker and we can save money through that. And, you know, that doing that is beneficial. Um, I don't know this. This makes me think of uh, lately for the last several months now, I've been working with Eva and we've been doing manual uh, local citation checking where um, we've been seeing. So it's been a long time since I've um, spent time doing local citations and stuff. And I've seen a lot of people who say for local SEO that there's a few of them that matter now and most of them that don't. So um, we... You're talking about like directory, like citation websites. Yeah. Yext, you know, Apple maps, blah, blah, blah. Keep it going. Yeah. Um, we, we did it manually to see what the current state of things is. Cause most people will use, uh, Yext, bright local, you know, some of these aggregators that have built the partnerships where you can do everything in one place. But, um, we wanted to do a few things. We wanted to see, you know, which ones are free, which one costs money, um, which ones are more important than others, which ones are more impactful, um, that sort of thing. And I'm glad that we, we did it and that we, um, have that sort of information because it shows our expertise. Um, and if we decide later to, um, we've done some bright local stuff and we, we haven't used it in a long time at this point, but we did it in uh, the past. And I think we did it more, we did it for two reasons. One, because it was a line item to include on the service deliverability that we offered to our clients. And then two, because it's it's just the thing you do for local SEO, right? Like you just get local citations, um, but it, nothing ever really moved the needle with Bright Local that we've ever noticed. It was just like doing the work to do the work. And we'd pay, what, like $3 per credit. And it was like, yeah. are we even getting value out of this? Like, is this actually moving the, the needle locally? Yeah, the local hand, the local landscape has changed a lot. Uh, I think certain citations have become much more important. Other ones have just dropped off entirely. And they're ones that Bright Local can't do. Like they're the ones that are like manual verification through phone or postcard or whatever. And not just talking Google, but talking like um, what are what are some of the manual ones? Like Yellow Pages. Um, I think you can make edits Yellow Pages. I can pull up the list here. Yeah, we have a list of like um, what was it? What was it like thirty? I think we had a little over twenty-five. Um, well, that we ended up with that we felt good about. Um, but uh, yeah, just let me get it pulled up. One of our clients, uh, they were acquired by a larger landscaping company or lawn care company, and the person, like my day-to-day contact, is a is, is someone who works in the marketing department. So she's relatively familiar with SEO and does some of the SEO on the corporate site and. She was. We had a discussion about like spring strategy, which isn't something we normally do for our clients. But um, sometimes we'll just hop on and say, "Sure, we'll talk about spring." So uh, 
that topic came up too. She goes, well, what, what are some other things? I'm like, well, we, we want to manually submit to more directories. We don't normally do this in like the basic SEO package, but your test, your account has been kind of a test account and we uh, um, put us pause on that. So we'll just finish that. And like I mentioned the number 30 and I could see kind of a puzzled look on her face because she's probably like, can't you do like hundreds through Bright Local? <laughs> then mm-hmm. I'd just be like, yeah, but it's a waste of money. Like why it's not, it's not really moving anything. Yeah. Yeah. So the ones that, uh, for postcards in particular, it's Google and then Bing. Sometimes it depends on your situation. Sometimes you can verify through phone or text, uh, like a phone call. Um, uh, sometimes it doesn't even like if you just sync the Google listing with Bing, sometimes it'll just auto verify. Mm, Yeah. I can't remember. That was one of the earlier ones that we did. So it's been a while. Um, these other ones, yeah, I mean, I'd say um, a little, maybe a little less than about half have some sort of verification required. So, yeah, even using a tool like Bright Local it helps some. But at that point, you're like, OK, well, if I have to do part of this manually anyway, what should I just do the whole thing? And it's all of them, right? That's like Bright Local. It's Moz Local. It's Local Falcon. It's whatever. Like, it's all the same. Uh the one, the one thing I have, like there has been, so that, that was a tool that we kind of cut out because it just, it, we were kind of selling the service of the tool rather than actually doing it manually. And once we did it manually, we kind of realized like, that's way more impactful. And then like there was something that I was considering getting, which was something like Local Falcon or like Local Viking or whatever it's mm-hmm. called because of like their their ability to, like Bright Local has this too, but they have like the the, the map on like, where you rank in the circle or whatever. And I always thought that was really neat until you realize that you can't control <laughs> that to like a certain degree. So if you're ranking in your like client's primary target geo, which is, which is only going to be really limited to where their physical location is. But if they're a service area business, that map probably isn't going to look a whole lot brighter than yellow unless you're doing gray or black hat things. And um, we kind of realized that if we did deliver something to our clients like that it would actually raise more questions than it would answer or it would it yeah. would not help us yeah i think that those they got cool reports they look cool i think that that by itself um is why a lot of people use it because it, it looks impressive to clients for reporting um but yeah the important thing to remember about reporting is anytime that you volunteer information you're accountable to following up on that information <laughs> so I'm a, I'm a huge believer in, in one page reports as much as possible because, well, when your clients are busy um, and if you're just filling them with random data, uh, it's not helpful. Um, so make it concise and then, yeah, be prepared that whatever you share to explain and then also take action on. So, um, yeah, I know a lot of people fill up their reports with all sorts of stuff and it's just a... <laughs> They're making a lot, of, a lot of problems for themselves. There's a there's a client that we signed recently where their current agency is is actually owned by a software company for a CRM in the industry, and they like they don't get consistent reports. They get manually sent out from whoever the rep is for that particular quarter because <laughs> it seems like they have so much changeover. And he finally got his last report, and it was literally just screenshots from Google Analytics, and it like didn't even like report on things that mattered. It was just like, like users return users, um, 
I don't know if it was like bounce rate. I think it was GA4. So I don't even know if bounce rate is a metric in GA4 anymore. But um, it didn't even have like the actual conversion events in there. And I thought it was super weird. I'm like, what are they trying to tell? And there was no context either. It was just like a screenshot of like a random chart in GA4. And this company is allegedly pretty large, like probably five to ten million dollar marketing wing. And I'm like, this is what we're like, this is what we're competing with. So like our reports <laughs> that we deliver to our clients must just be like wild. Uh, we I actually look sick now. We actually just got a review on our Google business profile from uh, an old client of ours about how we were the best marketing agency that they've worked with in the last like five years. And they worked with four agencies and they specifically called out our reports. Oh, really? When did yeah. this happen? The yesterday. What? Yeah, it's Spokane. Good guy. Good guy. <laughs> I know. Cool. I'm, I'm hearing it for the first time. This is great. Uh, you didn't get the email? Like uh, the Google review email? I'm so deep in emails. Um, oh. it's remember this week. Yeah, this week has not no, been good. I'm proud. Of, I'm proud of the reports now. I think they look really nice, and that we've gotten good feedback on them. Um, Power my analytics generally good, right? Um, we we went through some things as far as troubleshooting and whatnot. <laughs> we had relationship difficulties, but we're we're past that now. <laughs> yeah. so, to be fair, everybody. I. I've, I've heard the same thing from other people who use Power Analytics with uh, Google Data Studio and that the connections like weren't great. But I think they're like from what I'm learning is they're not great if you aren't willing to work with support. Yeah. No, I, I think that. Uh, yeah. Now I, I just have good things to say. Um, I think that the and I think it would depend on people's situations, but uh, because there's they're almost somewhere like halfway between. I don't know. I think maybe that they're trying to be more positioned to be one of the very big data solutions. Um, but I know that there are a lot bigger ones out there. Um, and I could be wrong. Right? I, maybe they, they are used by much bigger people. But my guess is that um, people who are like in the middle ish. Um, I don't know what the very basic reporting things are now, like what people use for I, there was like reporting ninja and report uh, i think agency analytics is one that a lot of people in the agency space uses um let me look yeah agency analytics which i haven't tried them but they seem like they're relatively simple which we're like uh, we're like totally detracting in this we're just talking about the tools that we use um, I think, I think anything like anything to the point of the tools that we use is we use them and then we stopped using them and did them manually because it was just, it's just far better. Like even CRM, we had the free HubSpot CRM and that's way more than you need when you first start. Um, our project management tool, ClickUp, if you listen to like episode 40, uh, something with Skylar, he, his agency still uses the free version of ClickUp and he is four times our size. So uh, we actually pay for ClickUp. We pay like, I don't know, like 10 bucks a seat or something like that. So we're like 30 bucks a month. Well, um, no, we're more than that now. Uh, yeah, we're like 50 bucks a month with the new hires. But uh, we use that because I like to use the automations in it. Uh, it just makes my job easier since I'm the only one doing it. And I've got to do it for five people. So uh, for HubSpot, we re- I say recently, it's been like a year and a half now that we've had the paid version of HubSpot. And again, that's a lot of automation. I was having trouble following up with all of our leads and our clients. 
and that was a, a solution or that was a solution to a problem I was having after we already had the paid ver- or the, the free version. And um, additionally, um, paying for HubSpot allowed us to consolidate our contract software, which we use the software called concordnow.com. And it, they used to have a free tier and that's where we did our agreements and our contracts. But then HubSpot launched a quote feature, which is basically the same thing. And I can have actual products in HubSpot that auto-populate in the quote. And um, it streamlined a lot of the onboarding process. So now when the quote gets signed and the agree- or the deal moves over to the, a pipeline that I made called Invoice, uh, Cody gets an email that says, hey, here are the details of the contract. Invoice this client. And um, those are, again, those are solutions to problems that we were having because we were already having leads and clients kind of at the capacity that we needed a CRM. The only tool I would say that is worth paying for it once you have like two or three clients is a reporting tool. Something, and, and I would rather do something cheap. I don't know how much agency, oh my gosh, agency analytics is 18 bucks a month for up to 10 clients. Jeez, that's cheap. That's so cheap. Well, I don't know. We pay like 200 bucks, uh, 100 to 200 bucks for our reporting. Yeah, but, it's in between that. Yeah. And th- so agency analytics, I again, we don't use it. So this isn't like a sponsored thing, but like that's a good reporting tool. What I did when I had two or three clients when we first started was I did like a, a Google work, or a Google doc, and I took specific screenshots of Google analytics and Google ads. And I just kind of put those together and it, <laughs> it wasn't super pretty, but it, it, got the necessary things reported on yeah reporting i think reporting is very important uh especially i mean it depends on your business model we're not super communicative we're not anti-communicative that's a weird word to say um we we we're hands off that's the goal so for us reporting is very important because it's one of the biggest impressions we make on a regular basis with the client so um it's extra important for us but yeah for I don't know. I I've seen and as far as uh, uh, people buying tools that they don't need or bigger than, you know, the pants that they have right now. Um, uh, that's a universal issue, not just at the beginning, but um, later on, too. I've seen agencies buy bigger reporting tools that they just didn't need. It wasn't a problem. And then they thought, oh, but this is the next step. And this is what growing up looks like. And then they did it. And then. Didn't uh, Mud, they used um, uh, Aquizio for a while. Yeah, for, not report. for reporting, right? Or I, thought did they they use it for, I thought they used it for reporting, too. Did they have? I don't know how those... Or maybe uh, it was... Maybe, maybe they used WordStream for report. What I remember is whatever reporting tool they used, they paid like 3500 bucks a month for it. Yeah. <laughs> like, it was insane. Well, in the earlier days... The Aquizios, the Kenshus, the Marins. Uh, I don't know now. I, I don't know if um, they're still as big, but their bidding optimization was the, the big thing, getting a oh, lot yeah. cheaper clicks. Um, but I think with the increase of native AI um, bidding in each platform, I don't know how they're doing now. Um, I haven't used them in a long time. I, just, I remember when I started Evergrow and I was looking at reporting tools I was like, I remember using a Quizio. And then like, I looked at the pricing and I was like, oh my God. <laughs> yeah. I think, I think WordStream was something I tested. I looked at SEMrush. I looked at like the big names and 
ultimately was like, I can't afford any of this. I'm just going to do free reporting in the native platforms. And that's when you came on board and we went to Raven tools. Yep. And now we're fully off of Raven tools. Um, Looker studio, baby. Yeah. Looker's been good. Um, Looker's free. It's, it's weird how quickly these, yeah, it's like, but that's the trick, right? Where like, <laughs> yeah. It's free. And then you have to pay for something. Else. Well, you either have an internal, uh, you know, backend uh, data scientist developer, or you pay for a tool like PowerMan analytics where they are the data science uh, people. And they are the ones who are bringing all the data into the data warehouse and creating the APIs to your Looker studio dashboard. Yeah, that was a, uh, so I'm in college, right? And I've talked to some of the other computer science slash Japanese major kids. And they all, they want to be data scientists. That's what they're saying. And for the longest time, I thought, okay, I don't really know what exactly that means, but sure. Um, and then with this whole switch to Looker slash Power Analytics, I realized, oh, yeah, no, this makes sense. This by itself could be a job. Yeah, and it is. Like my day job, this is like we have a whole team that literally does this with Looker Studio. It's heavy. It's a lot. Except they still have to use a tool like Fivetran to extract uh, native platform data and transform it. But they're still doing like the actual querying and BigQuery. Because they'll like they'll use like let's just say you wanted to get data out of HubSpot and there wasn't a native connection between HubSpot and BigQuery, so they would use Fivetran to like pull that data, transform it, match it in BigQuery, and then like do whatever math they need to do in order to get the output that they want in Fivetran. Export that data to BigQuery, and then the data from Google Data Studio or Looker Studio now pulls from BigQuery, which is basically what Power Analytics is doing. So they probably they might even have Power Analytics might even have a Fivetran subscription or something like that. Oh, that's what I was going to say is, um, so we, we don't have, we're not using BigQuery, but the, if we want to upgrade to that, they'll take care of BigQuery for us. So hmm. that was another, um, influencing factor, I guess you could say. Yeah. Well, they have their own data warehouse, whether it's BigQuery or not, they have a data warehouse because that will solve, that solves the, uh, um, the 50 account limit limitation on Google ads. Yeah. Yeah. That was, um, yeah, that was a thing. That's so uh, it's so annoying. Google <laughs> it, Google puts these own limitations on themselves. It doesn't even make sense that they would be the ones to limit these things because it's like, don't you want us to spend more money? But <laughs> instead, they just jack up CPCs. I, I if you're in this realm and you're dealing with things similar to this, like shoot us a message and let's have a conversation. And like, what you're you're not if you're not dealing with this, you'll get there. <laughs> this is not something that we were aware of until like. We made the switch, which was like six, seven months ago. And so these are like the deep dives that we have to do when it comes to like research and development and actually get out of doing SEO and doing Google ads and doing like this crap. Yeah, it was. I remember uh, being in there and then seeing that. And we were. Yeah, I mean, we're trying to plan for the next big upgrade. And it's like, that's nothing that will. That's no we're, we're planning a lot higher than that. So if we don't have a solution for this now we're going to hit that again when we we want something that's going to let us go 10 times where we're currently at so frustrating but yeah i also saw only reason uh, why we went to looker studio is because i was familiar with it through my day job i'm like this is free and it's totally customizable and so like even if you're not familiar with all the solutions out there just doing research and finding the solution that is going to work for you in the next big step but i cut you off what are you going to say Mm, it wasn't you know, important. 
Oh, you're like also, and then you didn't, you it's didn't okay. say anything. All right. Nah, it's damn it. I liked what you said. Oh, all right. So just to round it all off, because I think uh, we're at a good time here, but um, yes, please, please don't buy a software if you don't have the clients to support it and don't rely on that software because you will become a slave to it. And if you're really wanting to build a successful agency that you can exit and sell, you cannot be dependent on someone else's IP and yeah. end of speech. Hopefully I wasn't too mean to Andrew and Andrew like people. <laughs> I want to have Sean Clark on the podcast, who is the founder of High Level. And like, cool. I, I want to talk to him about the way that high level subscribers are selling the white label version of it. And I want to know how he feels about it. Yeah, it'd be cool to talk. I would imagine that he would just say, uh, look, there's only so much I can do <laughs> as as the, as the guy. But nah, it's always good to talk. Yeah, well, I mean, it just gives him a platform to to actually say something about it versus, you know, I can't imagine he's totally ignorant to it. I can't imagine he's like oblivious, but I haven't I haven't heard him say anything contrary. Yeah, it'd be cool to find out if he's actually a jerk, too. Right. I say actually as if there's he, been any implication, but it's I, yeah. the only reason I say that is because everybody that we end up talking to, nobody's ever been mean or actually like a not nice person. Everybody's great. Uh, and there's sometimes differences between their online personas and how they act in, in real life. Um, and that they're all, everybody's, um, kinder. Yeah. Especially <laughs> David kinder. Tobin, that jerk. No, <laughs> 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 uh, no, uh, Kevin, uh, Kevin Marcus Miller, he had him, he, Kevin was like on episode 44 or 45 or something like that. Um, <laughs> he had Sean Clark on his podcast before, it used to be called Agency Talk. Now it's called like Setbacks to Comebacks. But he had him on like episode two or three of the Agency Talk podcast and uh, talked about his history. And I want to get into that too, but I want to address some of the other um, things that bother me with how people are selling his platform. It might be a spicy episode. <laughs> spicy. <laughs> yeah. I like, cool. I like Sean though. I like, I like his, uh, his story and I, I do like him as a person uh, from what I can see. Yeah. Maybe have we done that before? We've done the reaching out. Usually it's people who I yeah, usually like nine times out of ten people are reaching out to us uh to be in the podcast. No, I haven't reached out to him yet because I we're dealing with so much with Evergrow and uh yeah. Agency U. Ooh, spoiler. <laughs> that uh I uh, just don't have the time to to like get serious guests on the podcast and because we gotta really prep for that. We can't just have them on and wing it. Yeah. So. for sure <laughs> alright everybody well that's uh, all for this episode so thanks for hanging around uh, we'll see you in the next one see you